again, everybody. It's time for the Mainland Podcast, episode number 65. Uh, a little bit early this week, uh, a little treat for you because we felt like maybe you needed to pick me up after that debacle on Sunday. Uh, I'm Michael Citro. I'm the uh, managing editor of the Mainland.com, SB Nation's Orlando City SC website. And uh, joining me, senior columnist Andrew Harrison. Andrew, how are you doing this week? Uh, it's been a week of highs and lows. Uh, I'm starting to pick myself up, and we'll see what we have to say tonight. Yeah, the the feelings were good last last week, you know, when we did the podcast, coming off two wins, a big win over Montreal. Felt pretty good that maybe they could go out and make a game of it in L.A. and maybe get a, maybe get a result, if, if not a win, maybe a draw. Uh, weren't sure really which of their stars would be out. They've, they've been, they've been, uh, nursing a few injuries and things. And it turned out no, it, pretty much everybody was available for them except <laughs> for Zardes. And, uh, it, it started off the first 20 minutes was all LA just getting into the face of Orlando and the, the whole time they were basically in the attacking third. I made, I think I made the joke on Twitter that I wasn't even sure if LA was, was fielding a goalkeeper because we hadn't seen him. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, despite all the possession, they weren't getting a lot of good chances. Although Alan Gordon was certainly uh, creating some havoc with some of his runs and getting to balls that were in the air and that kind of thing. But all of a sudden uh, the first Orlando city attack and um, you know, a nice ball in to, to send Bowden to the end line. He gets the cross in and, and Kyle Laren stabs at it, gets really good uh, little muscle behind it. And it uh, comes off of Van Damme's chest there were shouts for handball from fans. I didn't really see a whole lot from Orlando city players. Uh, and I'm pretty sure it did hit his chest. Um, though I'm no expert after seeing the Carrasco play early in the season. Uh, <laughs> and it comes right to Kevin Molino who finishes cool as you like puts Orlando city up one nil. And Hey, all of a sudden you're feeling pretty good about yourself. Yeah. I mean, it, it was totally against the run of play. Um, I was I mean, I was shocked that we had scored because it just didn't seem like we were even going to get down that end of the field. Like, And then all of a sudden we were leading and you thought maybe we would have a chance to go on and get something. And really, that was the highlight of the game, unbeknownst to us at that point. But it was a great goal. It was nice to see Kevin. It looked like he was happy to have scored and find his scoring boots again after a little bit of a dry spell and after a lot of travel. <laughs> He's been uh, all over the world, this kid, uh, recently. Exactly. But he got it. He scored. He, he had a really good game overall. Um, and I was hoping we were going to take that momentum and move forward. Um, but it was not to be. No, uh, just, uh, you know, not long after that, uh, a, just a, a gorgeous long ball from Van Dam. He finds uh, Emmanuel Boateng, Boateng with a nifty cross for uh, Gio Dos Santos, who all he had to do was get a tap on it, and it goes in, and it's 1-1, and it's like, okay, well, the game is on, right? Yep. Game is most definitely on. Little did we know that the next two goals would uh, come pretty quickly, and neither one of them should have counted. Um I did not catch the offside watching live. I did not catch the offside on goal number two for LA. But when you watch the replay, it's like, wow, if I were the guy on the field with the flag getting paid to watch for that, I certainly would have caught that because it was pretty evident that, uh, that the player who had taken the corner kick was still in an offside position when the pass came back into him. Yeah. It's one of those. (sighs) You're right. I mean, he's getting paid to watch that. It, It doesn't, help but also it was one of those things that I feel like ultimately the dam was going to break if it wasn't then 
would it have broken later, but it, it did hurt that the referee and the officials kind of gave them one. But once again, <laughs> that wasn't the only one they were set to give them the, that night. True. And the, you know, I mean, we've seen games where Orlando City has has faced tons of shots and still managed to to, you know, keep the door shut. We've seen a lot of games like that. And it looked like it, early on it could be one of those games because they had some good chances and weren't able to cash in. And sometimes those are the, you know, the kinds of games that go against you. You don't score when you have a chance. You give up a goal. And now, you know, things are suddenly very, very different. Uh, but then it's 2-1. Again, the game is manageable, still within reach. You still have it all to play for. And then the... I, I don't know even what to say. I mean, it's one of the more ludicrous calls in a whole season of ludicrous calls against Orlando City. And yes, Orlando City has gotten a few of those their way, but not such blatantly, obviously wrong calls. Uh, Jose Aja with a tactical foul uh, about a yard and a half outside the box and directly just points to the spot. Now, again, same AR on that mm-hmm. end of the field that didn't call the, the offside. He can't call the official and say, no, he was outside the box. I, I, it beggars belief when you watch it again. And really, Ahad made the same foul um, in the Montreal game, which we suffered when Drogba scored the free kick. Um, he made it again, and he just thought he'd got it right. I mean, like you say, it was a tactical foul. You don't make a tactical foul in the box. You make it outside the box, because that's why it's a tactical foul. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I can't believe he didn't... I feel like he didn't put up more of a fight, though, um, with his remonstrations. The team did, but he didn't personally. So I feel like maybe he thought he'd gotten it wrong a little bit, but it was clearly outside the box. The AR fluffed it again, um, and it just you knew it was going to be a bad night at that point. <laughs> yeah. Now we, I just mentioned the Carrasco play early in the year where he got called by uh, Baldomero Toledo called him for a handball, uh, which was clearly not a handball. Now Toledo in that game gave a free kick outside the box in that game. The AR called him and said that happened inside the box and they changed it. So if they can change that and put it inside the box, why can't they change it and put it outside the box when the call was so clearly incorrect. Well, I think you just got a case of an AR who'd left his contact lenses at home um, because he just <laughs> made he'd made two wrong. It was the same guy, and we didn't really suffer from the AR on the other side. Um, it was just it was not a good night for this officiating crew. Um, did Orlando City ultimately deserve to win the game? I would probably say not. Even looking at like the, just the quality of play wasn't there, but it does right. hurt when you lose a game. Um, for because of the officials. Yeah, I mean, you get to halftime and you look at those calls and you say, okay, as poorly as they played, and we've again, we've seen this team play all year long. If they could fight their way to halftime even, mm-hmm. you don't know what could happen in the second half. I mean, look at the Colum- you go back and look at the Columbus game. They're down 2 nil on the road and come back and, and tie that game. You look at the at the Kansas uh, the New York City game when they were down two and gave up a penalty. And somehow still managed to come back and and rally in the last five minutes of that one. This is a team that has shown that kind of resolve this year. And if, you know, basically those two calls, granted, I I agree with you. They didn't play well enough to win the game. But could they have gotten a point out of that game? Perhaps. Um, Because, again, we don't know what would have happened those second 45 minutes. Maybe L.A. hangs their heads a bit because they haven't been able to put them away. Um, You know, 
and soccer is a funny game and, and anything could have happened. And, and to have to, to basically have the game be, I mean, obviously they had all to play for still, but when you're down two goals on the road, a second game on the road in a, in just a few days, it's very tough and it's very, very easy to pack it in and say, all right, well, we got three points on the trip. Let's just uh, minimize the damage and get out of here. Yeah, and I think, you know, looking at the box score, we had more shots than LA. You know, obviously they weren't necessarily on target. We didn't trouble roll that much, but we did have the possession, the passing accuracy. We had the statistics that you usually see win games. So Mm -hmm. we did put in an effort, but what was amazing was I didn't feel like I saw a potentially winning effort from the guys. Um, And yes, the officials definitely hamstrung us at by halftime but it would have been interesting to see because you also have to factor in you think that la probably make a bunch more changes um earlier on in that second half if they've not managed to break through when they'd had such a dominant first half performance against us yeah and maybe uh maybe landon doesn't get on the field uh if the game's a little closer too so mm-hmm. um you know i'm not saying that there was a definite league mandate to get landon on the field <laughs> Uh, but I'm not not saying it's it. LA. It's LA. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I called it a few days ago. I mean, a few days before the game, I said this is this is a classic. Reminds me of that classic Caddyshack moment, where where he's uh, Rodney Dangerfield goes up to to Brian Doyle Murray says, "Keep it fair, keep it fair," and hands him a wad of cash. And uh, that's just what it looked like it, it happened uh, with Ismail Elfath, the referee on uh, on Sunday, and that was. Uh, and interestingly enough, he was, uh, he was the referee in that, that pioneering USL game with video assistant referees and, uh, maybe. sure could he, sure could have used one this weekend. That's what I was going to say. Maybe they know <laughs> that he's the guy that needs it the most. So they yeah, tested man. it out with him. Well, maybe there's a reason he's still doing a lot of USL games. That's also <laughs> the potential truth. Maybe you don't give him the national Fox game on Sunday night against a team like I mean, so many DP international players on both yeah. these rosters, and then really we talk about the officiating. MLS has talked about the officiating and their instant replay. It, you don't want that to go down. That's the kind of stuff that stops him getting games for a couple of weeks. Right. All right. Well, let's get on with our man with the man of the match. Uh, obviously, you know the game was basically over at halftime. Uh, Robbie Keane came on and an unbelievable ball over the top. Uh, gets Keen a, a fourth goal for LA and it was an amazing uh, play all around. Although, uh, you know, watching the video, you're not real pleased with Jose Aja's effort on getting back on that play. And, and you wonder why the defense was beaten so badly on a night, especially when Mateos and, and Aja together had only given up two goals in three games or the team had only given up two in three games. Uh, and I wonder, I, I wonder too, how much of that had to do with no Chirino getting hurt in the first half and uh, and having to bring on young Tony Rocha to to man that position, but uh, in the end it was it was four one at that point. Uh, Breck Shea with a screamer nearly made it four two, and then a few minutes later he did make it four uh, two in stoppage time, and that was the final. My uh, man of the match, I did grades this week, and I picked uh, Kevin Molino. A lot of shots, drew a lot of fouls, so the team got some free kicks out of that. Uh, had a nice uh, corner kick. He doesn't normally take corner kicks, and he had a really nice one that. Uh, landed on a uh, Mateos's head. Mateos uh, tried to head that back across to the back post and missed uh, just about a foot and a half wide. And uh, of course, he scored the goal. So I, I thought Kevin Molino for me was man of the match. Although I also thought uh, a few other players had 
uh, very good games, including Breck Shea, who I think was last uh, time I looked, he was leading our poll. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Molino was the only one who seemed to really be making a difference in his 90 minutes. Um, he was all over the park. He was showing enthusiasm. I think he was really buoyed by getting a goal so early on. And he didn't seem to step back off the gas like he was always dangerous. He suffered mm-hmm. so many fouls and trying to give us that opportunity. And let's remember, we did outshoot them. We just weren't putting them where they needed to be, which was on frame or in the back mm-hmm. of the net. Um, also, solid honorable mention to Breck Shea. I don't know what his role is going to be with this club going forward, but two goals in two games, um, showing a sign of life that we really didn't think that he had going into the back <laughs> half of this season. So hat, my hat's off to him. A bit of an honorable mention for actually showing that he potentially wants to remain an Orlando City Lion. So you're saying that getting some consistent time at the wing is uh, maybe bringing him back into what he's capable of doing. I'm saying that. I'm saying in short bursts. I, yeah. I, I, It doesn't seem to be – I don't think he's capable of doing that at 90 minutes right now, and I think that might be because he's been conditioned to try to play a left wing back role. Um, <laughs> and it's t- it, once again, it's going to take time to change that. But in that short space of time, 17 minutes – Three shots, two on target, one goal could have very easily been two, and we're right back in the game. You got to think he's a little bit of a game changer. So that I like that we all of a sudden have a super sub. It's just a shame that he's not able to make that difference when he's playing 60, 90 minutes for this club. Yeah, it's you know, it, but it is encouraging. Goals in back-to-back games always encouraging when it, when a player's starting to feel it and gain confidence. Uh, you know, the shot that didn't go in was a very good save by Brian Rowe. Mm-hmm. Uh, the difference I see from Breck Shea is that he's not revising his shots uh, like he had been prone to doing. He's actually getting quality looks on goal, and he's and he's hitting them hard, and he's hitting them on frame, and he's working the goalkeeper. Uh, he also hit the post in this game. So, you know, in just 19 minutes, he could have been on a hat trick. Mm-hmm. And, so. and, that, and when you look at the other stats from some of the other people, I mean, Kaká had no shots. I mean... Uh, people who had shots the other night were David Mateos, Laren, and Molino, until you bring on the subs. Yeah, and Tony Rocha had two that were both not even close to the goal. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I think let me let me take a look uh, while I got this out here. But I'm I'm thinking, if my thinking is correct and if my memory serves, which you know, that's it's you know that's a coin toss at this point at my age. Um, Yes, uh, Breck Shea is uh, tied for, what, one, two, three, fourth? Tied for fourth on the team in goals now. Yeah, which, once again, you wouldn't have expected just uh, a couple of weeks ago. Or or, or pre-Jason Christ, you don't expect him to kind of start getting that and getting that kind of switch in role. You expect him to still be toiling away at that left-back position and and not really making anything happen. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of Jason Christ, this is the last thing I want to talk about this game because let's bury this game and never look at the film again. Um, Jason Christ comes in, and you knew that Rome, you know, you know Rome's not going to be built in a day. Mm-hmm. And is this just a case of the team takes two steps forward, then one back, then two steps forward, then one back? It's not quite, it's not quite there yet, but you can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's the the feeling I get right now. Um... I'm getting that feeling, but I think what really happened was we just came up against a team that was on it. 
Um, they they were on it because Donovan was returning. Okay, you only get seven minutes, but he brings that enthusiasm to the stadium. Um, you're getting a bunch of your returners, your Robbie Keens. You're really getting a lot of great minutes from people that you weren't expecting to have good starts. You've also mm-hmm. seen the loss of De Jong, which from all reports was kind of really destroying a little bit of the feeling inside the Galaxy camp. I think we mm-hmm. just came against a strong side at the wrong time. Um, but what does concern me is we ha- we've taken some, a lot of steps forward since crisis come in. What we haven't taken a step forward is learning how to defend the high press. We- yeah, and, and that's that I think that there, you know that might just be a case of the makeup of the team or what the what the team has conditioned over the last two years, you know, at, at dealing with. And I think this is a team that actually could be the high pressing mm-hmm. team and not be the team that's being high pressed. It's just that they, you know, sometimes they can enforce their will on a game, but it's a lot to ask going to LA after playing midweek at Montreal, uh, you know, especially with some of the, some of the players that are looked on as for, for leadership being a little bit long in the tooth. It's a lot to ask for them to go to LA and, and to do that and play that 90 minutes when you've been, you know, in hotels for a week. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I I I didn't think it was. I mean, we never said this game was going to be easy last week. It was yeah. always going to be a chore. You're looking at 4,500 miles between LA and Montreal. Never mind the flight up to Montreal. Um, mm-hmm. And let's be honest, it was a tiring. It was a great performance from Orlando against Montreal, but you had to know it was tiring. Um, it was it was workless. I mean, it, the, they just worked so hard because you had to because Drogba was always trying to score. Um, and to go into against a team that just was able to get so many people back at the right time in a stadium buzzing, always going to be a hard place to play, never mind when you start factoring those, those in as well. And Christ can maybe take some of those moments and, and be teachable moments and say, you know, to Aha and Mateos, you know, referee gives you a bad decision, you get screwed on that PK call. That doesn't mean you should give up in the second half and not track back and not continue the roles that we've set for you. That's what you got to do for 90 minutes. Otherwise I got to bring you off and find somebody else. Uh, a little bit of a depth issue now at central midfield. Um, Nochirino left that game with a knock. Um, I haven't been out to training yet, although it's early in the week when we record this, uh, they just, just returned to training. Um, if Nochirino can't go and Christian Higuita's not back yet, then you're you're basically forced to either play Tony Rocha as a starter or bring Harrison Heath up. What do you think Jason Christ does this weekend? I think you got a third option, which is you potentially switch to his preferred diamond formation and see what he can get out of it. Mm, yeah, well, it would be an interesting thing. I think he's got the personnel to do it. What I don't like is changing formation in the middle of a playoff run when every point is so precious. Um you know, if this is something they've been working on a couple of days a week in training, then great. Then I'm all for it. You know, pull off the big surprise against Columbus. Uh, but if they haven't been working on it and I have a, I, I have no knowledge of them having worked on this, uh, I would not like to see it just out of the blue. Because I, I think they can handle Columbus at home if they if they play with any kind of passion. Uh, you know, they'll have the home crowd behind them. Um, you know, they have, they have everything to gain and Columbus has not uh, been in great form this year. So, um, 
and also they tend to get good results against Columbus. So it's one of those games that I don't think that this is when I would break that out. Mm-hmm. Maybe at DC, when you know you need a road result, maybe you throw them a new look, a new wrinkle for them to that they haven't seen on film. Uh, maybe that would be the time to do it. So, I mean, I think... Uh, I- for me, I think that he'll, he'll probably go with Rocha with with Carrasco, but I, I think that that Rocha I think is a is a uh, a useful player, but I don't think he's savvy enough yet at this point in his career to really make up for the loss of what we've seen from Nocherino over the last month. Exactly. I mean, I think he goes with no, uh, with Rocha. He's been his guy off the bench. He was the guy that was in the eighteen. Um, he, mm-hmm. Heath didn't travel, I don't believe, on either of the legs um you're gonna say he's gonna be an instant like for like switch but unfortunately you're just not gonna get that quality he's not got the same um knowledge of this game just yet and it's a shame because the carrasco nocerino partnership was shaping up to be pretty good and maybe it doesn't go <laughs> for one if nocerino stays in the game i think we may have stood a bit more of a chance but that loss is big obviously i don't think Higita's ready to return yet either so we're down to one, and we got to sub in on somebody else. I think it's Rocha. Heath, maybe. I think we saw Heath early on in his um, crisis reign, but he just mm-hmm. hasn't been getting the time with the 18 that you'd expect to come in and play against Columbus. Yeah, I think that we've, we're have we seeing what, we, what we're going to see from Christ the rest of the way, and that is you know, a guy like Harrison Heath trying to help Orlando City be trying to develop in USL. And... Um, I don't know. We'll see what happens this weekend. But uh, one thing is for sure, Kevin Molino has reached double figures in goals in his first full season of MLS play. Uh, We knew Kevin could do it. We knew he had that kind of talent. Ten goals, seven assists. Very impressive season for the Trinidadian. Yeah, I mean, if he gets to the double-double, I think they will consider it to be a pretty good season for him, um, especially coming off what was a serious knee injury. Um, He's also played a ton of games for Trinidad and Tobago. He's had a busy summer. He's been very busy with us. Um, If he can keep this pace going, um, he could be an early runner for a player of the season for um, the club. Yeah, I think he might get some some murmurs, but uh, you know, clearly he's not Giovinco, and he's not those guys. Well, but I, I meant I meant team award, you know, like oh, team award, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, not sure. he's not in the MVP consideration. Sure, yeah, sure, uh, yeah, he actually could be the the team MVP. Don't look now, but Kaká's got eight goals, eight assists after his back to back braces. Didn't get anything uh, at LA, obviously. You know, I thought we had a deal, Kaká. Come on, Ricky. You were doing two goals a game. I thought that's what we had settled on. Yeah, he could have been on, what, 27 goals, 26 goals by the end of the season if he continued <laughs> that pace. Oh, man. If he'd, uh, you know, the bottom line is if if if, if uh, Kaká hadn't got hurt early in the season, this team would have had more points and Adrian Heath would not have been fired. I'm almost positive that you couldn't fire Adrian Heath if you were above the red line. And I think all it would have taken was an, uh, just a result here or there you know, you got to figure maybe if he was out eight games and got results in two of those eight that he that, uh, you know, they'd have been above the red line. I don't think Adrian Heath is gone. So, um, you know, certainly that's just the way the coaching tree goes. You know, you're you're going to sometimes you get chopped down, you know, for through no fault of your own. But, um, you know, obviously this team is a lot different when when Kaká is in the lineup. He, he didn't have a great game at L.A., but he was OK. Uh, I thought that uh, Matias Perez Garcia and Kyle Laren were the two that sort of, for me, were absent. Um, MPG actually had a good second half, but Kyle was not really in that game at all. 
No, he wasn't. And I, I did the links this for Tuesday morning. I was kind of shocked to see that Kaká made team of the week. I know he had a great performance against Montreal, but the performance against LA was not a player that was team of the week worthy when there'd been so many great performances across a double game week. Um, I, I, it was a missing. I, I'm kind of loath to blame MPG. I think they just did such a great job of marking him out of the game. And also we'd switched his role too. He was back um, not playing in the center where I think he's been so much more effective in this system for distributing out to Kakar and Molino. Yeah, wasn't a lot of changing, uh, switching around as, as there normally is. Usually you see those three midfielders sort of move mm-hmm. around and swap spots. We didn't see a whole lot of that uh, on Sunday. And and again, that may be part two of the, either that was either that was game planned or in which case, you know, you have to, you know, you have to say Jason Christ made a mistake or maybe that's just the fatigue that they were feeling that they didn't think to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause you know, when your body gets tired, your mind goes. So, uh, you know, it may, it may just not have occurred to them, but uh, yeah, I, I thought MPG did. Uh, and obviously I don't think it was all his fault. I think he got fouled a few times that weren't called. And then uh, later in the game, when he was he was just trying trying anything he could to get a call, and then he was diving, but uh, it, it wasn't his night for sure. He wasn't as sharp as he normally is. Uh, Kaká obviously didn't even generate a shot. Um, I think he might have had a key pass, but actually now that I think about it, I'm not sure that he had a key pass in that game. So um, yeah, I, I thought they did a good job with them. I thought that. Uh, Sterez and Van Dam played great together. Oh. I, I thought that the, they were really, really solid center back pairing. Without a doubt. I, I, and Van Dam's had some weaknesses in recent games, but he was as resolute as a Simon or a um, Drew Moore kind of quality player um, on Sunday. And there was just no way through. I, he just had a great performance, solid blocks, and really probably mm-hmm. ultimately kept a shaky Brian Rowe from having to make some big saves. Yeah, it's uh, maybe we're paying the price for making Simon look bad the other night. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Soccer Man. karma is, the, is something that's out there. It all evens out. All right, well, Orlando City is back at it Saturday night, 7.30 at the campground against uh, the Columbus crew. Uh, before we get to our guest tonight, just to, just going to talk quickly about the Pride because they're basically just playing out the string at this point. Uh, they come in. Uh, I went to that game on Saturday. They... They looked like a team that could win that game and just did not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just did not. And, uh, you know, backline problems again for Tom Sermani. Um, Laura Alloway dressed but did not play until later in the game. Um, you know, the, the defensive line, back line that he put in there, again, not getting the job done. Uh, Steph Catley still very much missed. Jose Belanger got hurt in that game. She was missed. She, uh, Uh, did her hamstring and probably will miss the season finale on the 24th. Uh, But, you know, that was a game that that really Chris Nedman scored a goal that was maybe the goal of the year for the for the pride off a free kick and was just an amazing goal. Probably would be the goal of the year if not for that uh, that sort of chip on the half volley that uh, Morgan had earlier in the season. But Kristen Edmonds goal deserved to be a game winner or at least a game tying goal. And it was neither because. The visitors, again, the same time, uh, the same thing as when they played at Sky Blue, take a one nothing lead and uh, then give up goals in the second half. Of, at In New Jersey, they only give up one, but at home they give up two. So another loss for the Pride. Uh, they have one game left. 
One bright spot, uh, Lisa Devana's first start, the Australian international. I thought she played an amazing game for the Pride. She really looked good. Yeah, she looked great. She was trying to, you know, she was trying to help Morgan up front. But the problem is, you got two great players up front, and then you've just got no ability to really get any service from them. This team's doing great on the dead balls. Edmonds, we've seen them earlier on this year too with Spencer and and everybody else, but. We're just struggling getting the ball up that end of the field. And then to say, you know, Ashlyn Harris came out with some critical comments about her defenders um, mm-hmm. in the, the the away Sky Blue game, come down the home. And I think she kind of got the defenders that she had talked about. And that's why you don't like to see goalkeepers criticize the people in front of them because they don't necessarily put in the effort which the rest of the team is maybe putting in because it's kind of like, well, you don't think we're playing, so we're not going to. Yeah, I don't. I the hard thing for me to is that the they really kind of were playing a good game, and and again, I'll I'll go back to Devana's play because what she brought to the team is something they've definitely been missing this year is a player that can keep control of the ball in in uh, in traffic. Leanne Sanderson could do that a little, but she didn't have the pace or quick quickness of movement that Devana has. Devana has this ability to, you know, be surrounded and yet somehow come out of the pack with the ball. And that's something that Leanne couldn't do. She didn't have the that sort of quick, sudden movement that would turn the, the defender the wrong way. The defender turns her hips the wrong way and then Devana's by them. And I thought she did a good job. The funny thing was she still hadn't trained with the team in a real training session. She arrived the night before the game at sky blue came in as a substitute. Um, they didn't, you know, they obviously they traveled the next day. Didn't, didn't have a full practice the day after that. And then the next day was a game day. So she didn't even get a full training session with her team. And she went out there and started and, and she really looked the part in the first half, but it, she fell off a bit because I think partly because of unfamiliarity with her teammates and partly because I think she just ran out of gas. She's been traveling a lot. Yeah, but I think you, what you can say about Devana's performance is that that's what a, a women's soccer professional looks like. And, and somebody mm-hmm. that has an innate talent is that somebody who can come in, really play with a complete bunch of strangers and make it work. You know, and but also, you know, she's played with at least um, usually Catley and Alloway before. So she's got that kind of understanding. She's also been coached by Samani. So she understands what he's about. And that's great that we've got somebody else in the lineup who has the ability to score goals, hold people off, but also understand the ethos of what this club is trying to do. Yeah, and hopefully that she will be uh, with the club next year. Uh, from the get-go, I don't know what the contract situation is. If she was just signed for, through the rest of the year, and it was going to be just a a stopgap thing to get her some games, but you know, if she's with this team from day one, uh, it, it's a much different-looking Pride team, and and it's a team that can get the ball to Alex Morgan because they can get it to Devana, and Devana holding the ball enables players like Jasmine Spencer and Kristen Edmonds to get forward and get into the attack. You know, whereas now it's like kick the ball up to Morgan and if she doesn't hold it for more than five seconds, you know, there's no secondary wave of attackers. She has no options. Yeah. And I think that's also come from moving so many people around this year. You know, you still got Kyle playing at center back for all intents and purposes. So you've lost that holding and that potential Mm -hmm. bridge. She's not necessarily... I mean, you also you almost want to say she's a box-to-box midfielder. She kind of gives up sometime tracking back, but she does go box-to-box. She kind of creates that link up, and if we can get some hold-up play, you know, Spencer does have a great speed if she's not running too fast to fall over herself, but <laughs> she does have the ability to get that, and that's what you need, but you, 
you can't be that type of successful player unless you have a strong center forward who's able to hold up and distribute it out to you and be able to pull those two people away from you to give you an opportunity to score. I, I, if she, going to her signing, if she doesn't stay for next season, it probably comes off as one of the strangest signings of the season. Yeah. But you never know how the off season's going to go. She's going to go back home and and play in Australia, like most of you know. The pride is going to find summer um, winner jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, she comes back unhurt and that she is signed for next season. Yeah, she she gives this team something it desperately needs, and I, I think they're a much more dangerous team with her in the lineup. So, you know, plus Tom Sermani will go and he'll churn the bottom of the roster. He'll make this a deeper team. He'll improve the areas that need to be proved. The weaknesses will be shored up and the pride will, will be back in contention next year. And without the Olympics, the international breaks will not be as severe. And I think we'll see, you know, a more consistent um, team week in and week out from the Orlando pride. So, um, you know, it, it's been a fun first season, at least for me. I think it's been interesting watching some of these players and getting to learn the league because I didn't know – I knew individual players around the league, but I didn't know the teams. And now I feel like I have a good understanding of the teams. Yeah, I mean, I'd watched it in and out. Um, but now that I see the kind of makeup and, and get a, a, a – you know, seeing the people behind the teams and getting more of that feel for it, it makes it a little bit more exciting and you can kind of get that rivalry that's starting to develop because it is such a close league. I mean, we've mm-hmm. played Houston so many times, they might as well just move in. Um, <laughs> but it, it's kind of also nice you get to know teams that, that great because there are so few players and you want to feel that connection to them. All right, so Orlando City, or I'm sorry, Orlando Pride uh, falls 2-1. They had a great chance in stoppage time to get an equalizer. Morgan uh, got down the right side and uh, put in a beautiful cross for Laura Alloway, and she just couldn't get the header on frame. Had a chance to to be a hero in her uh, return from her, first from the Olympics and then from her quad injury. Uh, But uh, she definitely was a difference maker when she came into the game, and they have missed her, and they certainly missed Steph Catley. And... um, in the finale, they will be missing Jose Belanger. So uh, it, it just never ends. The, the team expansion teams are never deep. And this is no, ex, you know, the pride are no exception. They're not a deep team. And we knew that going in and um, all the depth worries that we had came to fruition uh, over the last two months. So uh, we'll turn up for the finale on the 24th and uh, hopefully they'll go out winners. Orlando city B. I don't know, Andrew. Do we want to talk about Orlando City B? Uh, I, you know, this team looked like it was going to soar. It was going to make the playoffs by a long. You thought they were going to be pretty comfortable, maybe as high as fifth. Right now, we're scrapping for that eighth spot. I can't say how we hold on to it. The two games that really we needed points from Wilmington and Toronto FC two, um, we got zero. Yep. <laughs> it. I don't see how this team boosts back, and I, I can't say what the problem is. They, they have talent. They just don't seem to be able to put together something against struggling teams. They've caught mm-hmm. the same bug that Orlando has, that they see a team at the bottom and they think, hey, let's just go out and get hammered by them. Um, <laughs> and we just can't seem to get over that hump of losing to I, – I, I keep going back to it. It feels like the loss of Rocha and, and Ambrose just completely decimated – this team and De Silva has been missing as well, but you just, it's really sad to see that three players cost this franchise, a potential playoff place in its first season. 
Wilder Silva was back this week, and um, he was nearly involved in, a, I guess, a couple of goals. I actually, <laughs> we, of course, we had our eyes on the, the Orlando City-LA game, but our Sean Rollins was uh, was on, all over the OCB match. Um, the disappointing thing for me is you go into uh, you know, a road environment, you get that first goal and lead the game early, and then you just can't – even if you concede a, a goal – you got to scratch for that point, man. You got to get that one point and just try to, to just keep your head above that water. And they give up the time, not only tying goal, but they give up the winning goal. And it was, you know, it wasn't like at the end of the game, but it was still fairly late. They still probably felt like they were going to get something out of that game and to get nothing, uh, at least, you know, I guess silver lining is that Wilmington hasn't caught them and that uh, Bethlehem, uh, was eliminated as well as uh, Harrisburg. So um, fewer people fighting over the scraps now, fewer dogs going after the scraps, the table scraps. But uh, I don't see them getting a result at Cincinnati, mm-hmm. as good as Cincinnati has been this year and as as, uh, as you know intimidating as their crowd can be because they have a very a good following there. And then, you know, the finale at Bethlehem, which I would have thought would be a probable result. Now I have no idea if they can get a result anywhere um, because they just have not shown that ability. I mean, I come kind of as down on them now as I was any Orlando city road game prior to Montreal. Yeah. I, they just, they looked defeated and like a two game. Well, it was a four game away stretch to end the season. As we said early on, was always going to be tough. They had hoped that, they had done enough to survive, and maybe they still have. You know, we're, we're talking doom and gloom. Maybe Wilmington can catch them. We still don't know. We're still in that eighth plot spot. They have everything to play for. The future is in their hands. But mm-hmm. can they go into a place like Cincinnati that has been breaking USL records is certainly potentially in the MLS conversation before the end of this decade and, and get a result? Probably not. So then you're taking it to the last day of the season when you just you don't see this team being able to play on the road. And so unless they borrow a bunch of MLS guys to kind of get them over that hump, um, they'll probably end up missing it. I think I've got a feeling that's what's going to happen. Well, you know, not only do they probably not get a result at Cincinnati, I mean, Wilmington could get a result and get over top of them. I mean, it's they have to scratch for a point or or three, mm-hmm. if they could, they could have, if they had just come up with a big effort at Toronto, they could have almost sealed the deal. That's how close they, they are to, to the end of this thing. And to seeing it through, they were, they were unbeaten in nine and now they haven't won in a month and a half. So <laughs> it's, it, it, you, you don't get in the playoffs by having, you know, these downward spirals at the end of the year, you know, when you're fighting over the last few spots. So Orlando city B, hopefully they'll put it all together. Hopefully Anthony Pulis will get something out of them. And and who knows, maybe they'll just come out of nowhere and score a bunch of goals. They really haven't scored many goals in this, in this, uh, this skid, you know, maybe about one a game, if that. So um, what they need to do is they need a a big game out of Michael Cox, maybe a Haji Berry, uh, you know, appearance and maybe he can get some goals, but um, they need to get a, a good team effort and and play as a unit and and just decide. They they need to decide. We want to be in the playoffs and 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 just have it go from there. Because it, it, if you you know I'm a big believer that 
you know, there is a, there are teams that just refuse in certain games, maybe even certain seasons, they just refuse to lose. They just they're not going to do it. And no matter what, they've got the resolve to come back. And we've seen signs of that from some Orlando City, you know, teams and signs of it. We saw it early for the Pride. We saw it, you know, we've seen it sporadically with the senior team in MLS where they've, you know, oh, are we down two goals on the road? Well, not anymore. <laughs> and uh, and we've seen it, you know, with OCB with that nine game uh, unbeaten streak. So we know that they're capable of doing it. They just have to believe and find a way to get it done. Yeah. And maybe uh, Pedro Ribeiro is the spark that they need um, to kind of find their scoring boots again, but it's just two big fixtures against two away fixtures against a team that looks not unbeatable. I mean, Cincinnati has lost, but such a great environment they've got there at home. Um, not your, your empty stadium that you're playing at compared to some other places. And then just do nerves get to them if they're still in it on the last day of the season against a team that has been scrappy in Bethlehem Steel that would like to probably end their season on a pop positive note. It's a big ask, but yeah. we've got some players. We just need them to be able to make that step up. And uh, Richie Larea and Ahaji Berry are claim to be MLS talent. They got to show it at some point in the last two games. Going to be it. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, Pedro Ribeiro. It's good to see him back on a soccer field. Hopefully, he can be a difference maker down the stretch as he tries to work his way back to the senior team. Well, uh, why don't we turn our attention to the weekend? We've got uh, Orlando City's rematch with Columbus Crew coming up. The two teams drew 2-2 two to two back in July in Columbus at Mafre Stadium. Uh, you may recall that Columbus took a 2-0 lead into the locker room with a very late first-half penalty. Um, six minutes into stoppage time in the first half, in fact. And uh, all of a sudden, in about the 65th minute, it was two goals in five minutes from uh, Molino and Laren uh, to, to bring the team back and really had some chances to make it three and, and just couldn't quite break the door down for that third, for that go-ahead uh, go goal. Um, if you'll recall, Kaká came into that game uh, off the bench, and so did Federico Higuain to try to, to slow the bleeding after Orlando City had climbed back into the game. Uh, but here to help us break down the crew this weekend, uh, we're, we're going to be talking to Pat Murphy of Massive Report. We'll do that right after this. All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, we're uh, happy to have back our old friend Pat Murphy from Massive Report. They are SB Nation's blog covering the Columbus crew. Pat, how are you? Oh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How are you guys? Or you, I guess. <laughs> I'm doing good. Um, yeah, uh, Andrew didn't make it to the interview, but uh, he'll he'll be on the rest of the show. Um, you know, it's it's getting down here to crunch time uh, in the Major League Soccer season, but you know, not a lot has changed since the last time these two teams met. I mean, Orlando City's still fighting to to hang on to that last playoff spot or, or to, to solidify a, a spot. And Columbus still trying to put together a streak so that they can be involved in the conversation. But uh, how have the crew changed since that first meeting? Um, it's really hard to put a, put a like pin on this team and, and really try and give you something in terms of how they've changed. You know, they, 
they get back a player like Gaston Saro, who has played in only, you know, 10 games this season. And, you know, is a guy who came in at center back last year towards the end of the season, helped them solidify a, a shaky defense and, you know, make that run to MLS Cup. So he comes back. Things are supposed to be going better, you know, with, with him in there. And then, you know, other injuries happen and whatnot. But, you know, they go out last week at home and lose 3-1 to Vancouver. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's... The game is just confusing, you know, and Sorrow in that game has an own goal that's just, you know, confusing in and of itself. Um, talking to a lot of people around here, it's 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 just so difficult to to figure out what's wrong with this team and things like that. And, you know, you asked what has changed since then. Not much, because even with players coming back, players going out, we're still getting these same kind of perplexing results that, you know, are so confusing because it's such a similar team to what we had last year and what, you know, we got used to, um, you know, this team that, that attacked and possessed the ball and was scoring lots of goals and things like that. And this year it's kind of all flipped on its head. How much of that can you really attribute to a, a an MLS cup hangover? You know, I think, it, there was some for sure. Um, you know, the beginning of the season wasn't great back when, you know, they had all 11 of the guys and that included Kai Kamara, um, who started in the MLS cup final. I think that they felt despite losing that game that they should have won it. I think that, you know, had, if you talk to the guys, they're not going to come out and say that, you know, had this, that not been a, about as bad of a start as you could have had that they felt like they could have, you know, controlled the game and, and kind of played the way they wanted to against Portland. But, you know, that's, that's kind of the sense I got. And I think that kind of carried over to the beginning of this season. And when you have a slow start like that, when there's a lot of expectations, both locally and nationally for your team, that starts to, to weigh on you. Then, you know, you, you add in the stuff that happened with Kai Kamara, right. As the team was starting to score goals, which was a problem early in the year. And, you know, it, it's kind of compounded on itself and they've never really been able to, to dig their way out. And at this point they may have dig digged themselves too too deep a hole. You know, I'm not sure we got into this, you know, when we talked before, but, um, how, you know, how did Columbus fans react to that whole brouhaha between, uh, Iguain and, and uh, Kai Kamara where, you know, Kai wanted to take the, the kick and, Higuain said that uh, I believe it was Finley he wanted to take the kick, and then he decided no, he's not going to take it, so I'm going to take it. Right. Um, how how did that go down with the fans? Because from an outsider, I can just tell you that, yeah, he gets to decide, so ultimately it's his decision. You live with it, but at the same time, the guy he wanted to take it wouldn't take it. Kai wanted it. Maybe a little bit of um, you know, you know, maybe could have he could have bent on that one a little. Yeah. Well. There's there's a lot that goes into that, and we don't have the time to go through the whole story. But to answer your question, I think the fans sided with Kai quite a bit, and not that they turned on Iguain at all, because I think they recognize his value. But his value is very different. You know, Kai, you could you could put a number on what Kai did for the team last year. You know, the number of goals he scored, things like that. It was it was visible. You know, thing it, it just was there. It was tangible, I guess you could say. Um, Kai's also a personality, you know, he's in commercials, he's around the neighborhoods or, you know, around Columbus and you see him about, he's, he's willing to sign autographs. He talks to people. He's just very friendly guy, especially when things were going well, like they were that, that last year. Um, Iguain is, you know, an, an Argentinian native, his English, despite being here for multiple years, still isn't great. So, you know, while from all 
anyone I've ever talked to, they've said, you know, when they've run into him out, he's, he's gracious and, and signs autographs and things, you know, he's, he's not the face that Kai was and, and stuff like that. So I think mm. from even the more passionate fans who, who understand Iguain's value to the team, there was a bit of, you know, frustration that, that Kai was in this position and then, you know, Kai was, was the one traded and not that they wanted Iguain traded. It just was, you know, you, you knew what you had with Kai and Iguain had been with this team through ups and downs. Kai had been there for one year and it had been really good. Um, so I think there was frustration, but I don't think it was ever to the point where anyone turned on Iguain, where, you know, there was, there was any backlash towards Iguain, especially because you had a guy like Ola Kamara come in and start scoring right away. And so that kind of made up for Kai for a while. Um, now, since Ola's kind of gone dry until this past weekend, I've heard more rumblings about, you know, well, if Kai were here or, you know, they were playing well right before Kai got traded, things like that. So, you know, there was certainly frustration, but um, I don't think it was ever, you know, turning on the coach or turning on Iguain or or anything of that sort. Well, I tell you, a lot has changed with Orlando City since the two teams have met. Yeah. Um, But, um, you know, is there anything that you think that the teams can take from that first meeting and use in the, in the rematch. I mean, there were 40 shots combined by the two teams. I don't expect anywhere near that open of a game, uh, on Saturday night. Yeah. It's, it's tough to say because of, you know, you even look back to last year's games, how different they were. And, you know, some of that had to do with red cards and, and things like that. But, uh, you know, these games have been different. You know, these two teams play a similar style, but it doesn't ever seem to just just work out the way, you know, you would expect. Um, now, the last game was probably the closest, as you mentioned, you know, the the number of shots on or the number of shots, you know, the fact that there were multiple goals, things like that. Um, you know, I don't know if you take much away from it. As you mentioned, a lot has changed Orlando City, you know, Kaká didn't start that game, which I think had an impact because when he came off the bench, I think the crew reacted pretty poorly. Um, whereas Iguain coming off the bench, while he did, he also had an impact. I don't think it it had the same effect, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, I, I assuming that uh, that they line up the way expected, you know, I, I think you'll again see a, another different game between these two teams. What were the crew players? I know you go to training a lot. You talk to the guys. Yeah. So what were they saying after that first meeting when they, I, I imagine they felt like they threw points away with, uh, with having the two goal lead at the half and then giving up goals to, to Molino and Lara in five minutes apart in the uh, second half. Yeah. That was just another one of a series of frustrating games, you know, especially back in the, the midsummer months, um, you know, they, the team kept saying, we, you know, we need that win. We need something to go right. We need the ball to bounce right. You know, we just need to kind of get off the snide there. And that was the game where they had that chance. Um, you know, they're up 2-0. They're playing well. Um, and as you mentioned, giving up two goals, it was just falling back into the cycle. Um, you know, this team has given up a lot of late goals that have cost them points and things like that. So the play, hey, ours too. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the players were disappointed, but you know, it was just kind of, uh, we've got to, we've got to keep going. You know, we've got to figure, we've got to get that result that w- that will change things. Now, since then they've, they've gotten that result. They won in new England, uh, the next game and, uh, or no, sorry, they won. Well, they eventually won in New England, which was this is a result that a lot of people thought would would kind of turn things around. And, uh, you know, 
it 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 did and we've seen a lot of the same mistakes and and things like that and you know some of that can be put on some injuries to some extent but you know this this team for everything that went right a year ago for this team and a lot did um, it wasn't all just the talent of the team it has gone completely the other way this year you mentioned earlier that you know the crew get some guys back and, and then have some other guys go out. Can you kind of give our listeners that maybe don't follow the crew as closely, obviously as Orlando city, maybe um, give us a, a hint of who is unavailable for whatever injury there is. And, and maybe if there are any uh, suspensions looming. Yeah. So uh, to, to kind of go back a little bit, Gaston Saro, I mentioned earlier, Federico Iguain, both were out for a while. Um, both recently came back. Iguain has been back a little bit longer, but then, he played 45 minutes two weeks ago, coming off the bench. Didn't even travel, or didn't dress at least for the game in uh, uh, the game last weekend. Um, so you know, makeshift lineup kind of there. Also, Will Trap mm-hmm. has has been dealing with some concussion issues, so he's been out. Um, he's still uncertain for this weekend. Iguain, obviously also uncertain since he missed last week's. Um, Tony Chani, who moved into the number ten role last week. Um, is out with a red card, a very stupid play that he made, um, kicking out at a defender, kind of in frustration. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so he'll miss out. Um, they've kind of retooled the lineup, moving Nikolai, Nikolai Ness, who they brought in to be a center defender, into kind of that defensive midfield where Trap normally plays. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that number 10 role, you know, since, since Greg Berhalter decided to go with Chani last week. Now Chani's unavailable, especially if Higuain, uh, you know, can't give any time. It's uh, it's been a mess uh, injury-wise for sure. But this team, in going the season, you know, preached depth and and things like that. So, you know, the depth was challenged and it it hasn't responded the way I think they hoped it would. Yeah, as I recall, Higuain uh, was just coming off an injury the last time the teams played, yep. and and. And, and was just returning to training. And I don't think that we knew he was going to play for sure in that game, but he obviously came on for the final 20 minutes there. And uh, he did have an impact of the game, but not uh, on the score sheet. Um, so how do you see this game sort of shaping up? I mean, Orlando city is a, is a team that's been inconsistent all year. They've, they've dropped points when they should have gotten them. They've pulled points out of when they had no business getting them. And, they had won two in a row for the only the second time all year, and then they went out to L.A. and ran into a buzzsaw after getting the early lead there. So, you know, with the new coach, I kind of figured we'd be two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. But, uh, you know, this is a this is a game at home. There's only three left, and Orlando City uh, facing some desperation as they try to hold off D.C. United and, and New England and, and the crew and the Chicago and everyone <laughs> yeah. else. Um and also the Columbus crew, obviously going to be very uh, eager to get points and desperate to get points. Uh, and they will see this as a game that they could could uh, come away with all three. How do you see this shaping up? Yeah, you know, this team has talked all year about the next game being the one and, you know, things like that. You know, I, I don't I'm not sure I can believe it anymore. You know, they have to prove it to me. And so far they haven't. Um, you know, there's. There's no reason, especially with the the injuries and and stuff that we just talked about, for me to believe that they're going to go down to Orlando and get a result. You know, maybe a tie. Like that would be the ceiling for the crew, I think, at this point. 
you know, with with that last loss, I think a lot of people lost the belief that that this team was going to, you know, make that push. And there were already people that were off that bandwagon and looking for next year. And I think, uh, you know, the team's not going to give up. You know, they're going to fight. They're professionals, um, and they have things to play for. But I just can't see a lot going right for for this team heading down uh, the the final stretch here of the season. And, you know, I think it's going to quickly be, okay, let's look towards next year and uh, how we're going to, we're going to fix things for 2017. What do you see as, as the key matchup on the field on Saturday night? Well, it'd help if I knew who was, you know, going to play for the crew, but uh, (laughs) I think, you know, it's, it's Kyle Aaron for me when I, I mean, obviously Kaka and, and what he does, but, you know, I don't know if you're, anyone in this league is really capable of shutting him down. Um, but, uh, you know, Kyle Aaron to me is one of the, one quickly becoming one of the better forwards in the league. Um, you know, depending on how the crew play, you know, with the back line, whether it's sorrow and Parkhurst, like we've seen the last two games, whether Ness drops back in there and they do something else in midfield. Um, you know, I, I think that'll be, uh, the, the most interesting kind of chess match in there is, is dealing with, uh, with Orlando's front play and, and Laren. Okay. Sounds good. Um, Pat, before we let you go, obviously, you know, our, our folks are going to need information on the Columbus crew. Can you tell people where to read your stuff and uh, how to follow you on Twitter and where they can find you on the, uh, the interwebs? Yeah, we are, um, at massive report is, is the site's Twitter massreport.com um, is the website. And then I'm on Twitter at underscore Pat underscore Murphy, because that name is rather common and you have to be creative to to get any sort of it on Twitter. That's true. I was surprised to find out you were running for office. Yes, that uh, a lot of people were actually. I got quite a few texts and tweets and all sorts of things. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, it's always fun when these two teams get together. I think maybe with Kai gone, it's lost a little bit of bite. Yeah. But uh, there's a chance that Rafael Ramos might be playing for the first time <laughs> in quite a while. And I'm sure that some players on the crew have some not so fond memories of playing against uh, Rafa. Right. So we'll see what happens there um, as the uh, the young right back has uh, made a couple of starts uh, for Orlando City B in the USL and is ready to come back at any time that uh, Jason Christ deems him uh, ready to go. Um, it'll be interesting because this will be the first time we've played the crew since uh matias perez garcia has joined the team right. he's brought a little bit of a different dimension to that attacking midfield um you know obviously we have a there's a new center back jose aha who is has paired very well with david mateos but mateos is out with yellow card accumulation for saturday night so they that that duo which had only given up two goals in three games uh until the debacle at uh, los angeles <laughs> um they, they were uh, they had kind of calmed down that that uh, two goals against that we were seeing uh, when they were paired up together. And then now obviously they'll have to be split up. I would imagine that Seb Hines will step into that role, but uh, you know, Pat, uh, obviously we will see what happens on the field. We're going to send you some questions to answer for our, our intelligence report for this weekend. And, and uh, we thank you so much for coming on the mainland podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Well, Andrew, uh, episode 65 of the Mainland Podcast, winding to a stunning conclusion once again. Um, We want to thank Pat Murphy from Massive Report for being with us and being our guest on this podcast. Of course, uh, you know, Pat is very plugged into the Columbus crew and he knows his stuff. And I was, you know, we're really happy to have him. He's a good guy. Um, I was, 
a blogger for an Ohio State blog for many years, and, and uh, you know Pat, I know him from his work also uh, covering Ohio State. He's a he's a multi-talented and multi-sport kind of guy. So uh, happy to have Patrick around, and hopefully we can make him unhappy about his soccer team on Saturday. Uh, why don't we get to our key matchups for this Saturday night against Columbus Crew SC? The only other SC in the in the uh, entire league, I believe, Andrew. Yeah, well, you see that uh, unlike Atlanta United, they didn't throw a hissy fit when they, another city was trying to come into the squad. But, you know, just like Minnesota, we got away with it as well. <laughs> uh, although I think at the time they were just the Columbus crew when we first came in and they kind of rebranded a bit. Yeah, they lost the Barbasol like three crew hat guy. Yeah, they, they lost the Village People logo that they had going, which was actually kind of cool, I thought. It was different. But, um, yeah, the, the hard hat guys uh, are are no more. It was nostalgic is what it was, and then it led to a great um, goal celebration by Kai Kamara one day. <laughs> yeah, when he returned to the crew, yeah. that's right. He, uh, he brought out the yellow hard hat. Yep. So what do you see happening Saturday night? What is your key matchup? And... What's the fin- you know what's the final score? What's your score prediction, and uh, how do the, how do we arrive at that score? I, I'm seeing a pretty positive game from us. I think we can potentially come back home and and give shades of positivity that we saw in the Montreal game. Um, Columbus isn't playing well right now. They are look they're a little bit defeated. They've going to have missing Tony Chani through a red card suspension. Um, Iguain is questionable to play. Um, so I think if we want to get three points, now is our time to do it. Obviously, this is only we're only facing them twice this season as compared to mm-hmm. three times last season. Um, my key matchup is probably going to happen to be keeping Merrim and Ethan Finley quiet. Um, they both have the ability to change games, um, so that's really going to be on Carrasco and um, whoever Nocherino's sub replacement is um, if he's not able to go. As we discussed, it's probably going to be Rocha. So I'm mm-hmm. going to go, it's D-mids against the center mids for Columbus. And I think it's going to be a battle of the park. And if we can control that, we can get lots of pressure um, and get some goals. Um, saying that, um, I've been negative the last two weeks. I'm going to be very positive this week and think that we win 2-0 um, with goals from Laren and Molino. 2 nil. Wow. Mm-hmm. Who is this who what who is this Orlando City team that is getting a clean sheet? Who is who are they? I, I, I just I feel like we're going to have I feel like Christ is going to drill some things into them about not giving up. We know we're capable with this Senevac partnership of controlling them. Um Kamara is Ola Kamara, not the Kai Kamara of Columbus mm-hmm. Crew is is good, but I think if we can get two, a good, solid outing from Mateos and Aja. We can certainly keep him quiet. And if we can get a good defensive midfield, we can keep them away and not give up silly fouls. And I think a clean sheet is, is certainly available to us. Well, I don't think Mateos is going to have a good game since he's on yellow yes, cards. again. <laughs> so quick with this guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you got to get those yellows. When the, when the team hangs you out to dry, you kind of have to take them. Uh, I hate that those guys have taken so many tactical fouls that they've been forced to do that this year. But, um, uh, you know, because it just makes them look bad when you see all those yellows. But, um, you know, for me, I, I think that the key matchup for me. By the way, who's going to score the goals for you? Yeah, I said Laren and Molino. Laren and Molino. Yeah. Okay, so the, the usual. You know, the usual my crew. key matchup is going to be Laren 
against uh, Parkhurst and Sorrow because uh, Kyle's been quiet of late. Uh, he did have a good one good scoring chance at L.A., and uh, they did score off of his chance, but that was a an oasis in a desert of a game for him. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, we've seen he's got now gone three games, I believe, or two games without a goal. He didn't he wasn't there for the Montreal game, but uh, his last two games, no goals. And um, you know now he's in a, a situation where he might be thinking a little bit more about pressing to try to get you know, to get his goals up here at the end of the season. Um, I, I think he needs to have a nose for goal. needs to be desperate for a goal. When is uh, – he hasn't had a brace since um, May, which is it's stunning. He hasn't had a brace since May. And uh, he's had he's – had, there are zeros or ones uh, the rest of the way. So uh, I think it's very important for Kyle to get going. If Orlando City is going to make the playoffs, he has to get back in form. And he scored for his country, which is, you know, I was surprised by his performance on Sunday because, yes, he was going up against two good center backs that work well together. But he's the only player that spent the entire week out in the Pacific time zone. <laughs> and, and, and uh, you know, he scored a goal. So you think, you know, for his country, you think, he'd, he, you know, he's on form. He's, uh, he's confident. He's feeling good about himself. But um, not he really wasn't involved at all in the game. Uh, to speak of. And I think that is, this is an important bounce back for him. That was his only shot was that one uh, chance in the 20th minute that, uh, that Kevin had the, the put back. Um, he had no shots uh, in the two, one win over New York city. And um, you know, it, it, it's been since the Toronto game when he scored and he, he had four, four shots in that game actually could have had, you know, could have had four goals in that game, but it uh, wasn't meant to be. And I really just think that Kid Fantastic has to get going. Now, that said, where where am I going with this? Well, that's my key matchup. And I'm not as confident as you are because of the shakeup in the back line. Um, Aha and Mateos have been very solid together until the L.A. game. Uh, but now they're going to be split up. And I'm thinking that it's going to probably be Seb Hines is my guess that goes with goes with Jose Aha maybe or maybe it's a Seb Hines maybe they give Jose a, a week uh, you know a game off here and, and and bring in Seb and Tommy I mean uh, I'm not really sure how how Jason Christ will play this but uh because of the switch we've seen this all year Orlando City is basically good for two goals against the game <laughs> um you know except for that period where where Jose Aha and David Mateos were working well together so I'm going to predict 2-2 two, two, um I think I think Kevin Molino scores, and I think Kaká scores. Okay. So that's what I'm going to go with. I think Ricky's not going to quite get back to having a brace, but maybe he scores one and sets up Molino for another one. And uh, that would put him on nine goals, nine assists if that happened. That would be very helpful. I think, and just to kind of flesh out your feelings on Kyle, I think that this year is he's not having a software slump. I think he's just played so many games mm -hmm. for a 21-year-old in the last two seasons that when you come out of college, yes, you play a lot of games in a very short space of time. Problem is the MLS season is just so elongated. You then throw in international games, you get even more. And I think it's not that he's having a slump, it's that he's just purely fatigued and maybes on that thing, I think he still starts, but maybes you mm -hmm. start to sub in Rivas if you 
earlier in the game if you're just not getting any offensive production out of him because I think at this point the risk of Rivas is got better rewards than leaving a laboring Kyle Lahren up front basically not forcing anybody to defend him because they're not thinking he's got the pace or the energy to basically break away from them when he gets the ball. Well, I didn't like the way Rivas looked as a sub this past weekend. Maybe tell him he'll start, let him get mentally ready, <laughs> and then have him start, and then have him play like 50 minutes and then bring on Kyle for the last At the quarter. start of the season, you just write the team <laughs> sheet for five games throughout the year, and you're like, yeah. these are the games you're going to start. There you go. You're going to be here. This is your hotel. We're going to drive you to the game. We're going to take <laughs> care of everything for you. Your passport's going to be dealt with. <laughs> but you want to see some goals. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it'll be good to see. You know, the funny thing was we saw a little bit of a slump about this time last year from Kyle. And we wrote about it. We wrote about, oh, he's not playing in college anymore. Maybe he's run hit the wall a little bit. And then all he did was went out and got a hat trick at New York Red Bulls. So, you know, we'd be happy for you to prove us wrong, Kyle. Prove that you're not in a, you know, in the middle of a slump and that you're not uh, fatigued and hitting the wall and all, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, maybe he just needs to get home and sleep in his own bed for a few nights and then it'll be fine. Who knows? Uh, but, yeah, it would be nice to see him go off and, and score a goal. And, uh, you know, if Kyle gets on the score sheet, I, I think it could propel this team beyond the 2-2 draw that I predict. Um, but we'll see how it plays out and we'll come back and talk about it next week. Yeah. So I think that'll just about do it for episode 65, the Mainland Podcast. Appreciate you listening. You can uh, uh, please read our our stories at themainland.com, T-H-E-M-A-N-E-L-A-N-D.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Mainland, same spelling. And, uh, of course, uh, you can like us on Facebook. Please leave us some some uh, very encouraging and, and uh, appreciative remarks on, uh, on iTunes. Give us a good review, and uh, we would appreciate that doesn't cost you anything and uh, it's a good way to show your support for the podcast uh, i am michael citro the managing editor for the mainland.com we'll be back next week to talk about uh, the columbus crew game and see how that went and we'll be looking ahead at what an, another double just about another double week isn't it yeah pretty much get to toronto in a midweek and then uh, we'll be at dc yeah it, it, they got the those road stretches are not just for ocb <laughs> in the meantime uh we'll be watching also uh alex morgan and perhaps ashlyn harris for the u.s women's national team this week uh they play uh thursday and i believe sunday i can't remember off the top of my head but uh we'll definitely have coverage of that as well uh but on behalf of andrew harrison i'm michael citro signing off saying go city <laughs>